Hey there. Welcome to this bonus episode for paid subscribers of Rethinking Wellness. I'm Christy, and my guest today is registered dietitian Jonah Sulman, who is the guest in this week's main episode and is back to discuss the role of acceptance in navigating chronic health conditions, whether eating disorder recovery can ever be compatible with alternative medicine, what to look for in a healthcare provider given the problems with the alternative and integrative medicine fields, and more. This is a free preview of a longer episode for paid subscribers, and if you want to hear the full episode, you can subscribe at rethinkingwellness.substack.com. That's rethinkingwellness.substack.com. So without any further ado, let's go to my conversation with Jonah Solman. So Jonah, welcome back. Thank you so much for sticking around for this bonus episode. Of course. Thanks so much. Yeah. So I'm curious to talk a little bit more about some of the stuff we we got into in the main episode, sort of the note we ended on in the main episode was this idea of acceptance. And I think you expressed that really beautifully of like coming to a place of more acceptance of your chronic conditions and sort of the limitations of wellness. And something that I, I said in that episode, you know, just sort of touched on at the end was that I get a lot of questions from people about how they can get to a place of greater acceptance and feeling like there's a resistance to accepting the limitations of our bodies and, and, you know, the existence of chronic conditions. And I know I personally went through that myself as well. I I definitely for years, I think was sort of of the mind, like, well, I shouldn't have to live with this. I should be able to feel better. And like, I get it. I really do because I wanted to feel better and I still want to feel better a lot of the time. And, you know, it's frustrating to have to live with things where you don't feel as good as you think you should and and that, you know, we really all deserve to feel good. And yet I think there is just so much in wellness culture and sort of American culture and Western culture in general that pushes us to feel like we should always be optimizing. We should always be doing better and that it's like our responsibility to do that. And I think that paradoxically makes us feel worse. Yes, yes, I agree. So I'm curious, yeah, sort of what it what it took for you to get to a place of more acceptance and if there's anything you would share with anyone who's struggling with that and maybe grieving or or resisting the idea of acceptance. Sure. Well, the short and perfectly candid answer is therapy. For me, I talking about the concept of I- acceptance in therapy as, as it relates to certain things about my, my health, including my back. It, it's not something that I came to quickly or easily. It's, it's something where it's been a, a lot of work, a lot of discussion that's kind of helped me to get there. And there are still some areas of my life where I'm still working on, on the concept of acceptance. But even though I think I'm in terms of my back conditions, I'm much more there than I am in, in, in other places. To expand upon that, I think for me, a lot of it is looking at what would the alternative paths look like. So if I, if I didn't accept whatever it is that I'm struggling to accept, what, what are my other options? And if I go down those, those roads, what are the outcomes likely to be? And it's, it's kind of like you said, you know, people, some people, you know, we, we feel this pressure. There's this pressure on us to try to optimize, to always try and work on getting better. But like you said, does that actually get people to a better place? And in my experience, no. I mean, it, it can lead to frustration. It can lead to, you know, physical injury. I mean, it can lead to eating disorders. I mean, it, it, there, there, there can be so much negative fallout from 
from trying to go down that road. You know, also in terms of what we just spent the main episode talking about in terms of alternative medicine, you know, there can be financial costs and everything. And so in, instead it's okay. Well, if none of those roads look appealing either. So then we have this idea of acceptance where it's, yeah, things still aren't perfect if we go this acceptance route, but at least, it, at least there's more peace. There's not this angst, this constant itch to, try and change things it's just you just sort of again just to just use the term you just kind of accept that it's that it's there and and one of the things that my therapist suggested to me is to almost pretend that there's this person outside yourself almost like this friend that you didn't invite over but they just they always kind of tag along and you wish you wish that they weren't there but they're they're just always there you know it can be the back pain monster or whatever name you want to give them, but they're just, they're always there. You're just, they're just always hanging around and you can either fight against it and be like, damn it. I wish that back pain monster would go away and you can fight it and fight it and fight it and use all your energy on that. Or you can just be like, okay, I accept that the back pain monster is going to hang out and they're just going to hang out and that's just what they're going to do. But I'm just going to continue to do my thing. And I'm just going to accept that, that this back pain monster is just coming along for the ride, whether I want them to or not. And I'm just, I'm not going to focus on them as much. I'm just, I'm not going to try and fight it. I just accept that they're here and just kind of go about my life. And when I, when I started to look at it that way, that I found super, super helpful, at least for me, it helped me to kind of reframe things and look at it in a different way. Yeah, that's really helpful. I think it's, I mean, cause I think we can all think of situations in our lives where there's someone around that we, that's not our cup of tea that we wouldn't choose to hang out with. That's, you know, maybe someone in the workplace or some other situation that we have to be in contact with in some way, but they're not our ideal person. And it's like, you know, we would never try to, I mean, you know, some people might, and if it's toxic enough, certainly you might leave the job or do something to like get away from the person. But for most people, I think in that situation, it's like, okay, how can I learn to live with this person? How can I maybe minimize my contact with them or not spend so much time, just like not not devote so much headspace to this person, you know, not let them ruin my experience. And yet with when it comes to like our health and wellness, it's like our health and well-being, you know, but wellness culture makes it out to be that we can like optimize away all of those things that we never would really really be able to do in other aspects of our lives. So I think maybe thinking about it in this other domain can sort of be helpful in that sense. Yeah, exactly. The, the, this fallacy that if we, if we just work hard enough that we can accomplish anything, that nothing's impossible, that it's, that it's, it's obviously untrue. And some, and sometimes the best path forward is just to kind of just acknowledge that there's nothing really I can do about, this thing, whatever it is that's, that's bothering me or, you know, whoever it is that we're talking about, there's not much we can realistically do. So rather than continuing to fight it, just going to accept that it's here and just kind of broaden my scope of what I'm paying, paying attention to instead of focusing solely on that back pain monster or whatever, paying attention to what else is in life too, and just kind of go about things. That's sometimes I think that the best, the, best and most realistic path forward. 
Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's really not much you can do in some situations. I am thinking about sort of the parallels with that and internal family systems work, which is like the type of therapy that I do and that my therapist uses that I've found really helpful. And it's a lot about allowing space for the parts of ourselves. Internal family systems is all about, you might be familiar with it, but for any listeners who aren't, it's like this idea that we all are made up of different parts and different parts of ourselves are sort of in charge at different times. And we have this kind of like leader part that could be in charge and sort of listen to the other parts and then make its own decisions. But sometimes we have parts that kind of take over and edge out the leader part and, you know, are acting out of trauma maybe or past sort of like they're much younger parts that developed when we were really little and maybe don't have as much relevance to our adult life and yet they're still in charge in these situations or whatever. And so internal family systems looks at all parts as good and there's no bad parts and there's no parts we want to exile in ourselves and we want to like be able to be with all of our parts and sort of accept and acknowledge all the parts, but also not be controlled by the parts and not have the parts that we, that aren't serving us be the ones driving the bus. You know, it's like the leader needs to be driving the bus and the kids are in back, you know, these, these parts that are clamoring for attention might get our attention at different times, but aren't going to be the ones driving our decisions in life. And I found that personally really helpful for, you know, thinking about just different dynamics and, you know, mental health issues that I've struggled with. Personally, I, I really appreciate that you explained that because I I only had a, a vague understanding of internal family systems. I knew the term, but I, I really didn't know much about it. So I'm kind of in the same boat probably as some of your listeners in terms of like, I just learned a lot from what you just said. So, so thank you. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think one good primer on internal family systems is the movie Inside Out. If you've ever seen that, the Pixar movie. Oh, why does that sound familiar? I think I have seen it, but I can't remember which movie that is. Yeah. It's pretty old. I mean, not old, but it's probably 10 years old or something at this point, but it's very sweet. It's like, it's kind of about this, this little girl's internal family systems and sort of how they navigate this big change that she's going through. And it's really interesting. Oh, is it that just did her family move? Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. Yes, I have seen that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's very sweet. So that's kind of, you know, a lot of uh, IFS therapists that I've talked to about that are like, oh, that's like such a great, you know, calling card for IFS modality that, you know, it's an easy way of explaining it kind of through that movie. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, you know, kind of going back to something that we talked about in the main episode, we talked a little bit about eating disorders and how alternative medicine approaches can really be triggering and exacerbating for eating disorders. I'm just curious, and I, I think I probably know the answer already, but would love to dig into this a little bit. Do you ever think eating disorder recovery can be compatible with alternative medicine, or do you think they're sort of fundamentally incompatible? You've been listening to a free preview of this episode. To hear the rest and get tons more bonus content, become a paid subscriber by going to rethinkingwellness.substack.com. That's rethinkingwellness.substack.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks.